Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Game night is one of many traditions that has shifted with the times. Today, where we live, we learn about the games people are playing with each other online as social distancing continues. Coming up, we hear why Nintendo's Animal Crossing New Horizons is so addictive. If you haven't heard of it yet, hang tight. If you're not into video games, that's all right, too. You can play Pictionary and even Bridge Online using Google Hangouts and Zoom. Now, don't throw your hands up. Our guests will help you sort out how this all works. And later, if you'd rather just de-stress by watching the latest shows on streaming services, NPR's Eric Deggins joins us with tips on what to watch now that most of us have already binge-watched Ozark and Tiger King. Now, I was inspired for today's show after hearing producer Carmen Baskoff talk about game nights with her family in Tennessee. Here's Carmen explaining why her love of games hasn't ended in this pandemic. So last Saturday, I was setting up a Zoom call, but for once, it wasn't for work. I actually only have two spades and I have six hearts. This time I was using Zoom to play bridge with my parents and sister who are all isolating together back in Tennessee. I'd been learning to play bridge pre-quarantine. So when the pandemic began, I decided to take my family along for the ride. Now that they didn't have anything better to do during social distancing, we've been using a website, Trickster Cards, to deal out a virtual deck and run gameplay. But we like having a Zoom meeting running for table talk, especially because we're all still learning. It means she has a ton of points and a balanced hand. It's critical for me to tell her what I have a lot of cards in. And so in order to tell her that I have a lot of spades. but to That's my dad talking, trying to work out a bidding strategy. I love playing games, and Bridge is just one of the many card and board games that brings up my super competitive side when I get together with friends. But since COVID began, my board game nights have had to switch to happening virtually. Early on in the pandemic, I learned about the website BoardGameArena.com. It's an online interface for playing a bunch of different popular board games, things like Seven Wonders, Carcassonne, or Sushi Go. So now pretty much all of my free time in the evenings is filled up playing virtual versions of all of my favorite games with friends and family. We've gotten pretty intense about a board game called Puerto Rico, which I probably play about three times a week these days. Oh, we got a free corn. Dang, that's lucky. My crew of college friends and I, we're now all scattered across the country, we've actually been keeping in better touch by holding weekly Puerto Rico matches. Well, Zach also has a factory. Yeah. Ugh. The people both got the factory, but then I didn't have any factories left. My dad's a big fan of the Puerto Rico game, too, but we haven't managed to get my mom on board yet. Uh, the game is so long. It has this minuscule writing on everything, and it's very complicated, and you have a hard time Puerto reading Rico? all the things. Are you talking uh, about Puerto Rico? Right. Well, the good thing is we have a lot of time to kill. So my goal is to bring her round to the game after all, before the pandemic ends. We'll see how I do. That was Where We Live producer Carmen Baskoff. And joining us now on Zoom, our first guest, Matt Fantastic, game designer and co-owner of Elm City Games in New Haven. Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm glad to uh, be here. So like Carmen, uh, did you grow up playing a lot of games with your family? 
Uh, I did. Um, it was a huge moment in my life when I was uh, invited to join the family Dungeons and Dragons game. Um, that marked my uh, transition to adulthood. It was my, my, my nerd bar mitzvah that I got when I was five years old. <laughs> we'll be talking about Dungeons and Dragons in a little bit. Uh, but let's talk more about, so you're a co-owner again of Elm City Games in New Haven. Obviously, businesses are closed during this pandemic. So before it happened, uh, tell us about the kind of people that were coming uh, to your shop and how it all worked. Yeah, so our uh, we do have a retail shop, but our main thing is that we have an enormous game library and uh, operate as sort of a game club. Uh, so people can get day passes or we have a ton of monthly members, things like that. Um, people come in and they play games. We do organized events. We do uh, just open game nights. We do things based around different specific games. We also host things like the New Haven Game Makers Guild uh, meetings and then play testing for them. Um, so we do a lot of things centered around people uh, getting together in physical space and sitting around a table together. Um, as far as demographics, uh, you know, we certainly, tr we, we, I would say we trend uh, the most between uh, mid-20s to mid-30s, sort of that young professional vibe. But, um, you know, we definitely have a huge contingent of people that are older um, and then a handful of, of younger people as well. So, Matt, when uh, the shutdowns had to begin, how did you and your staff uh, transition and think about ways to still engage your customers in an online way? Yeah, so obviously um, running an analog get-together club uh, <laughs> it doesn't really work particularly well uh, when you're social distancing. So uh, for us, the most important thing has been trying to keep the community engaged with each other. Um, for a lot of people, we are very much their social activity um, beyond just the playing of games, you know, being sort of a club. We have people that'll come in on a Wednesday evening on their way home from work with a six pack and see what people are, are up to. Um, you know, we are very much uh, part of third place theory, which is the, you know much bigger, but basically the idea that you have work home and then there's a third place that people like to go. Um, traditionally that's been, you know, like pubs, uh, things like that. But um you know, for us, so many of our people are used to this space being the, the center of their sort of social, social, social lives outside of work. Um, and, you know, for us, it was keeping everybody together. So we've been doing, you know, events on Zoom, we've been doing game nights, um, you know, we have some pretty active uh, digital communities on like uh, Discord or Facebook, um, you know, and then just kind of giving people updates and continuing to do it uh, for a while. Uh, our Instagram pretty much was a hundred percent, you know, memes because uh, mm. we didn't really have anything to talk about for, for the business too much. Um, but Hey, we might as well, you know, take advantage of that people look at our stuff and, and give everybody a little smile, um, you know, while we're, while we're doing it. You're hearing Matt Fantastic on Zoom today here on Where We Live. He's a game designer and co-owner of Elm City Games in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, today we're focused on the ways people are still trying to have fun remotely, playing games online, later on talking about what you're watching. Uh, but Matt, part of the show too is, is hearing from people about how they're uh, connecting with their friends and family despite social distancing. So here's the number to call 888-720-WMPR. That's 888-720-9677. And we want to hear again um, how you're staying connected. Matt, tell us about some of the games. Walk us through uh, what you and your staff have learned that might work better remotely and what kind of apps or um, you know websites can people go to to play these games online? 
Yeah, so the, the first and easiest really is is using Zoom or Google Hangouts or, or a similar uh, video conferencing app. There are so many games that are easily transitionable. Um, you know, if you especially look at some of the old parlor games like, uh, you know, Charades or Pictionary that was already mentioned, like those are, are just really easy to play in, in that kind of uh, space where you don't need stuff. Um, and then, you know, there's other things. Uh, last night I was on a live stream show with uh, the designers of a game called Inhuman Conditions, which is a two-player game that is basically the uh, robot test from Blade Runner. Uh, so one player plays as the detective, the other player plays as potentially a robot, and you're interviewing each other. It's this amazing, brilliant, uh, kind of bizarre experience. Um, and obviously it is easily playable via uh, any teleconferencing software. Um, and we found that that in particular, given the sort of um, tech nature of the game, that playing via screens is actually a really uh, mood enhancing experience. Um, you know, nothing's going to, I, I think nothing is going to completely uh, replace the experience of sitting across the table and looking at somebody, but but that's one that is is really interestingly um, a very different and and, and great experience uh, remotely. Um, uh, we, so, uh, Matt, we heard from ahead. Tim on Twitter uh, who writes that wondering if we could talk about tabletop simulator as a way to play board games remotely. What can you tell us? Yeah, so uh, Tabletop Simulator is just that. It is a sort of virtual tabletop space uh, where you can put uh, art on various physical assets um, that you then move around. It's almost like a virtual reality tabletop without, you know, actually being virtual reality. It's just kind of on the screen. I guess you can do VR um, in it as well. Um, and that is great for people that are experienced game players um, and also relatively tech um uh, experienced as well. It's it's not the most intuitive interface, but the, the bigger stumbling block for a lot of people is that there is zero rules enforcement. So you might download a game on your phone that is a board game version. Um, Asmodee Digital does a ton of great stuff, uh, so I'd highly recommend checking out their, uh, their work. Um, Direwolf Digital also uh, does a lot of great stuff. Um, but those enforce the rules, whereas Tabletop Simulator, you're just moving stuff around. And there's there's no one. It's like a regular table. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, there's there's no way to know if you're doing it right or wrong or you're, you're move, moving stuff weirdly. So uh, that's not a great way to learn games. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you're trying to bring in maybe part of your family that's not as experienced. Um, you know, that's maybe not the best choice, but it's it's a great platform. You mentioned Zoom. I have a closet full of board games, mostly kids' games because of the, the age of my children. But when we think about Yahtzee or other games that where you have a physical board and dice, but still managing to connect with friends and family on Zoom, how will that all work? Can you maybe help people through it if they haven't tried? Yeah, so like uh, we'll use Yahtzee as an example because that's uh, super easy. So what we would do is tell everyone to go online and download a Yahtzee score sheet. Uh, you know, the Yahtzee especially, they're widely available. Uh, personally, I suggest triple Yahtzee, which I find a little bit more interesting. Um, but you get a Yahtzee score sheet, then everybody can uh, probably scrounge up uh, five six-sided dice. Uh, and if not, worst case, one person can roll for everyone. Uh, it's less fun, you know, because rolling dice is great. Um, you, everybody has their score sheet. You hop onto Zoom, uh, and then you just kind of take turns rolling dice. Um, for, for many games... 
and, and something that we found, especially given Elm City Games, is that really games are a vehicle for social interaction. They give some mm-hmm. structure to the time you're spending together. Um, you know, obviously games in and of themselves are, are great experiences, but a lot of it is about uh, having something to do, part of that connection. You know, our weekly big family call, we've been playing games as well, you know, and, and you know, Yahtzee is there. It's easy. You can do it. Uh, I love that uh, Carmen was playing Bridge. That's that's <laughs> insane because Bridge is just such a hard game to learn. <laughs> uh, but, you know, really it's about choosing something that you are comfortable with um, and then using using the tools that are there uh, to do that. You know, I, I think it's fun to learn new games, but mastery mm-hmm. of the systems uh, using games that you do already know is is going to be the best way to, to you know, proceed in, in that space. What about uh, the game code names, uh, especially if one player has the game? That's another one that's, that's easy to do remotely? Uh, it is. It is a mixed easy to do. Okay. Uh, one thing that I will caution people uh, that are not necessarily gamers uh, that are going to look up some of these things is that uh, for a lot of uh, for, for a lot of our, uh, our people, it can be difficult to step outside the bubble. Um, and so what we consider easy may may not be as intuitive. So uh, Codenames does involve a little bit of uh, finagling more so than something like a Yahtzee where you basically play it the same. Um, but yeah, it's great. I mean, there's, there's tons of guides. Um, I highly recommend the Board Game Geek Guide to Distance Gaming. Um, so you can just put in Board Game Geek Distance Gaming Guide um, and it'll pop up. It has a whole bunch of games that are uh, great for playing online. Codenames is included on this list and it sort of explains uh, how to do it um, remotely. Um, nice. you know, and, and We'll make sure that we tweet that out at where we live. Uh, our listeners can join us too. What are you playing these days remotely? 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Justin's calling from Bethany. Justin, go ahead. Hi there. Uh, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. So what's your question or comment? Oh, yeah. Well, I, um, I've wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons forever. Um, and I uh, was making plans, you know, week after week to go down and play at Elm City Games. Um, but I just never, you know, I had excuses, never never made it around to it. And since uh, we've been all quarantined, I've actually started playing um, online with my family. Uh, so we, we play on uh, uh, Roll20.net, and we get on uh, Zoom, and we're all learning the game at the same time. A lot of fun. Has it been complicated to, to try Dungeons & Dragons online, oh, Justin? Yeah, yeah, it's really complicated. <laughs> the first, because in, like, in our reading, like, it, everyone recommends you want to play with someone who's really experienced. So it's like four people who have no clue what we're doing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're all pretty good with rule systems, and we're, I think we're figuring it out. We're, we're starting our second uh, adventure this Friday, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, uh, well, glad we're, we're glad that you're trying it, Justin. Thanks for calling in. So, uh, Matt, fantastic. Uh, break it down for us. Uh, you're a D&D player, a longtime D&D player. So talk a little bit about the game for people who may not have played it and how to do it remotely. Yeah, so uh, Dungeons & Dragons is a role-playing game. It is uh, widely considered to be the first role-playing game. Uh, it's now on its fifth edition of rules, so it's evolved uh, since the early days in the uh, mid-70s. Um, and basically, the general setting is that it's sort of this kind of mismatch of fantasy. Um, if you've played any role-playing games subsequently or uh, are familiar with even hearing of things like experience points, um, that is all from D&D. So if you're familiar with any of the uh, sort of things that have 
uh, come from it, you're going to have a pretty easy job with the core concepts. Um, the uh, Like Justin said, having an experienced player be the dungeon master is uh, really, really helpful because uh, basically the dungeon master is the one who has to really know all the rules. Um, I can get people playing D&D in five minutes because really what it is at its heart is collaborative storytelling. Um, and the way that, you know, all these rules exist more as a way to determine success or failure in various uh tasks uh you know there might be a door and i'm going to say i'm just going to walk over and open the door uh great and i just open the door because it's not locked but maybe that door is locked and now i'm going to say well i'm going to break it down or i'm going to climb the wall to try to get in a window or i'm going to pick the lock or you know use magic or all these other things that i can do um and now i am trying to you know quote unquote defeat the door uh, and so there are rules that surround uh, whether or not I will be successful. Um, but really, again, at its heart, it's collaborative storytelling. We're just telling a story together. And so, you know, speaking to Justin's experience uh, and everybody else's, mine is, especially if you can't find an experienced dungeon master, um, you know, start playing and you'll figure it out. Um, you know, the only way to do it wrong is to not have fun, really. <laughs> Don't worry about the details, the minutiae. You'll get there. Um, really, you know, sit down and whoever's the dungeon master says there's a goblin and then everybody else decides if they want to talk to that goblin or stab that goblin or whatever it is. And then, you know, roll a couple dice and see what happens. Um, you know, that's, that's really D and D at its heart. Um, but again, it, you know, if you, if you want to go deep, you can read thousands of pages of, you know, rules and flavor and, you know, all this stuff. It's a, a massive system that you can go, uh, really, really deep into, but to just get started in it is, uh, Everybody kind of knows what to do already. Mm. Well, the Where We Live crew is going to lean on you, Matt Fantastic, when we start up a game ourselves. I watched this uh, great uh, video from Vox about the whole point of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and in the video, they said, you know, it's not about killing other players or winning. It's just about hanging out with friends and acting like weirdos together. Does that sum it up? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much sums <laughs> up my entire life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's this experience that you're having together, you know, I mean, D and D is, is collaborative, right? Like you're, if, if the, if you are just trying to kill each other, you're not really going to, it's not a very interesting game, right? Um, Definitely not. You know, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to stab you and then maybe, maybe you're dead and <laughs> I guess go home. Uh, it's not really an exciting uh, experience, right? So, you know, you want to have adventures, you know, you can certainly tell a variety of stories, including ones that are, you know, darker in nature, more adult in nature, things like that, uh, which is also one of the great things is the system is really flexible. You can tell a game for, you know, five or six-year-olds, like when I was playing uh, at first. You can tell games for the most adult, uh, interesting, weird, not really killing stuff kind of experience. You know, I mean, there's also all sorts of additional role-playing games, uh, like Kids on Bikes, where you are a bunch of kids running around uh, in the 80s, you know, sort of uh, Stranger Things, uh, Goonies-esque kind of kind of setting, right? Uh, you know, so there's there's a lot of different things that you can experience in that space. Um, and also just uh, locally, uh, I will plug Elm City Games. Um, the easiest way to, you know, we're happy to teach people. I'm actually running a Dungeon Master workshop uh, tomorrow, Saturday at um, 1 p.m. Um, and that's open to anybody, members or not. Um, just send an email to hello at elmcitygames.com and we'll give you an invite Great. to the Zoom uh, where... I'm going to tell everybody in more detail what to do. <laughs> awesome. Well, we might be signing in as well. Uh, Matt Fantastic again, who's a game designer and co-owner of Elm City Games in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, Stu's calling from Avon. Stu, go ahead. 
Yeah, hi. Uh, we've been uh, Zooming every Sunday night with my family, including my 88-year-old mom. She's done very well with code names. There's a free site for that. And then this week, I found, I don't know if I can mention the website, Factile, where they have a Jeopardy game that you can plug in. So I set one up uh, for this week with all our family trivia that only, you know, stuff our family would know to kind of bring back some old stories and kind of favorite dishes that we like and things like that. So, you know, do the typical Jeopardy thing. So we'll see how that plays out. Well, thank you, Stu, for calling in. We're happy to hear about your Zoom uh, trivia night uh, with family trivia. That's a that's a good idea. Uh, before we uh, head into the break, uh, Matt, uh, for people who are, again, interested in playing games virtually with Elm City Games, you mentioned learning how to play Dungeons & Dragons, uh, but what are some other sessions that you run? Uh, so we run regular uh, Zoom, like sort of board game nights. That's typically on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. Um, but if you send us an email, uh, again, hello at elmcitygames.com, uh, we can add people to the mailing list where we send out, you know, invites, because uh, sometimes we're doing stuff that's not scheduled. You know, like I ended up playing Codenames, uh, or sorry, uh, Wavelength, which is another uh, really brilliant game. I played that with a bunch of people um, just randomly in the afternoon uh, a couple days ago. So, you know, if you want to if you want to get into the thing, um, we're running official events, but also if you're, you know, in the Facebook or the Discord, people are coordinating their own stuff in the community uh, where you don't necessarily need us to, uh, you know, specifically set it all up. Matt, fantastic. Again, game designer and co-owner of Elm City Games in New Haven. Thanks, Matt. It was fun. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, I've been listening to the show for, you know, 30 years or whatever. So uh, <laughs> this is this is this is pretty cool. Well, we appreciate you calling in today. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Again, what games are you playing with family or friends while you continue social distancing? We want to hear from you. 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. After the break, we hear about Nintendo's Animal Crossing New Horizons. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're talking about how people are having fun and staying connected while staying at home, from video games to Zoom board games and more. What are you playing these days? Join the conversation, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Now, have you heard of Nintendo's Animal Crossing New Horizons? There's a, our next guest uh, wrote a great piece about it. Elise Favis, reporter for Launcher, the Washington Post video game section. Elise, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. You're also with us via Zoom. We thank you for that. So talk a little bit first about Animal Crossing. I've never played, but this has been around since I think 2000, 2001? Sure. Um, yeah, this has been around since the early 2000s. Uh, and, uh, you know, the last game came out uh, eight years ago in Japan, seven years ago in North America. So this is a life simulator. Um, the core of the game really is about making money uh, and then using that money to customize your town. Uh, so there's no real like combat. There's no uh, strategy necessarily. It's really about inhabiting this town, populating it with villagers um, and hanging out with friends. So I think it's definitely become the uh, essential quarantine item. Nice. So Animal Crossing New Horizons, that came out what, in the last year or two? And this has really just gone bonkers in terms of people's interest. And as you mentioned, playing a game that makes them feel good, not a lot of stress involved. 
Right. Um, yeah, it came out in uh, in late March, so it hasn't been <laughs> hasn't been too long oh, at all. Okay. Uh, and actually, uh, even in the in the month of March, it sold five million digital copies, and that's not counting physical copies in stores. So that's just digital alone, um, which is quite incredible. So describe uh, how this is uh, set up exactly for people who haven't played yet. You have to have a Nintendo Switch to play? Correct. Yes. Uh, so you need the Nintendo Switch system. Uh, and if you want to play online, you need a, uh, a uh, Switch subscription for online. Uh, and that can cost you uh, a, a little bit under $20, I believe, uh, for a year. And so walk us through, again, a little bit about um, not only playing at home, but the fact that there's a, a way to connect with other people who are playing this game. Yes. Um, so the way it works is you're building your town and you're creating an island. And then you can visit other people's islands or have or host and have people come to your island. Uh, and you roam around the island together uh, and you chat uh, and you kind of it's, it's kind of a fun way to show off what you've built, um, because that's really the essence of Animal Crossing is, is, is the customization uh, and working really hard to build the best town you can. Um, so people are making these really idyllic uh, islands uh, and, and some people are even actually holding um, events that they normally would have in real life, but the pandemic has halted those events like weddings, for example. Uh, people are live streaming their weddings, having them uh, in Animal Crossing, uh, inviting all their friends I have someone who uh, hold who held Ramadan actually uh, in the game and just invited his friends, you know, um, around a table. That's really great. A great way to stay connected. Uh, we heard from Aisha, a ninth grader from West Haven, Connecticut. She explains why she plays Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Aisha. I'm in ninth grade. So my villager's name is Aisha and my town's name is Sunshore. One of my friends like that lives out of state, we like usually try and go to each other's villages and we like trade fruit and things like that. Usually like we talk over Discord. Oh, I just got something new from him. He's giving me medicine because- I feel like um, Animal Crossing kind of brings a routine because there's not like a set goal that you need to do but every day there's usually something new to do like there's more bugs that spawn on your island daily so it's like there's always a reason to get on rather than just like not doing anything so elise favis we heard aisha talk about the bugs that spawn on your island so that's probably not a good thing <laughs> actually it is um, okay. a big part of animal crossing is collecting uh, and you are collecting fossils, uh, insects, fish. Um, so you're doing all these little tasks around your island. Also collecting fruit and furniture uh, and, and recipes to, to make those furniture. Um, and uh, some of those things you're donating to your museum. And it's just a way to uh, showcase uh, almost like trophies, you know, uh, everything that you've, you've done and completed. And I think Aisha brings up a really good point, actually, about routine. Um, I know personally the way I've been keeping track of what day it is is uh, because of Animal Crossing. This is a game that progresses in real time. So, for example, um, you look outside your window in real life and say the sun is setting. The sun will be also setting, you know, in your game. Um, so it kind of keeps you on track, I think, uh, when, you know, we're all forgetting what time it is, what day it is uh, with, with this pandemic. 
Do you play Animal Crossing New Horizons? You can join our conversation, 888-720-WMPR. That's 888-720-9677. Maybe there's another video game uh, that you want to talk about uh, here on Where We Live. Uh, my guest today, again, is Elise Favis, reporter for Launcher, the Washington Post video game section. Uh, when we, we were talking with Matt earlier, and then you mentioned as well, uh, mentioned Discord. Explain what that is exactly. Sure. Um, Discord is a way to voice chat uh, and also text chat uh, with friends. Um, and a lot of people use it while they're playing video games. So uh, not every game has a voice chat, for example. So this is a good way. Uh, it's, it's a computer application um, that you download. So it's a good way to, to keep, in, uh, keep in contact while, uh, while gaming. You also wrote up a piece about the do's and don'ts uh, for people who are playing uh, online games uh, for the first time, uh, etiquette mm -hmm. for, especially for this game, uh, New Horizons. Can you walk us through some of those do's and don'ts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Animal Crossing is an interesting game because I think there is a certain etiquette involved uh, when visiting other people's islands um, that it, that's kind of different than other games. Um, so obviously, you know, you know, as I mentioned before, this is a game where you're putting hours and hours, I mean, people are playing this for hundreds of hours already, uh, and you put so much time into working on your island uh, that it can be a little frustrating, I think, if someone comes to your island and tramples on your flowers, for example. And this can happen in, inadvertently, because you're, uh, say, you're just running through the island, uh, and you'll automatically <laughs> stomp on those flowers and potentially ruin someone's garden. Uh, and I think what I've seen is um, people use emotes a lot as they visit one another's islands. Uh, and those are these little reactions that you collect uh, and, you know, you can smile or you can cry uh, and you have these little uh, reactions as you interact. Um, so those are fun to use. Um, there's little bulletin boards, so you can almost use it like a guest book and people can leave their thoughts there on what they thought of your island. You can you can join us eight 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 seven two zero nine six seven seven. Even if you're not playing video games, but you want to talk about uh, what games people should be playing, especially as we all still socially distance. Thomas is calling from New York. Thomas, go ahead. Thomas, are you there? Oh yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead. You're on the show. Uh, uh, I think one of the greatest games of all times is uh, is chess. And uh, unlike many games like Bridge, which is highly abstract, chess is easy to learn. I learned when I was five, and I got fairly good enough and, and won a prize uh, when I was uh, 17 in the U.S. Junior Chess Championship. And um, it, it's a tremendous intellectual challenge to uh, be able to plan, to uh, plan ahead, to anticipate you what your opponent is doing, I think I think there's I think it's really the king of all games. There's no finer game, uh, and I would encourage people to play it. And contrary to many people, it's it's easy to learn how to play. Maybe not so easy to get good, but I certainly would uh, suggest that you learn if you're if you are interested. Well, thank you, Thomas, for that, and uh, congratulations uh, for uh, playing so well uh, yeah, or when you were younger. Uh, Thomas, again, calling in to talk about chess. So, Elise, we're talking with you about uh, video games. Are there some other video games that include that chess-like strategy that you would recommend for people? Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I really like XCOM. Uh, that, that's, uh, it has a kind of chess-like maneuver to it. Uh, where you have uh, squad mates and uh, you're moving across a, a grid 
and each squad, uh, each squad, each squad mate, sorry, uh, has a certain move that they can do, and you're going against a, an, an enemy force. Um, so I think that's probably the best example uh, when, when you know when he, when he brings up chess. Um, there are several strategy games out there. Uh, Civilization um, is one of them. The Warhammer series uh, is another. Um, but you know, I think looking at Animal Crossing, it's uh, it, it definitely takes that out of the equation um, and is much more a mm. relaxing, uh, slow-paced game. And I think I think the reason why people are uh, are moving towards it so much right now is it it really gives you a sense of control during the pandemic, um, where you are, you know, creating that town and um, creating, you know, making money and uh, every, everything's kind of just, uh, you know, it, it's it's all up to you and it's and, and you can just go at your own pace. It was interesting when you mentioned earlier that people are having weddings on Animal Crossing. So we think about milestones that people may not be able to have this year, like graduations. People are using Minecraft as well for that, Elise? Oh, yes. Yes. Minecraft is a wildly popular game, um, particularly with kids, um, but uh, also, also across all ages. Um, and it's uh, it's interesting with Minecraft because uh, the University of Georgia is actually planning to have their graduation within the game, uh, primed with an entire virtual stadium. Uh, so that is is wonderful. It's an online game, so everyone can go into this digital space and uh, experience an event together. Uh, and there, there are students in Japan um, that did that as well. Uh, and also uh, educators and teachers are turning towards games, um, particularly Minecraft, because it has a very robust education mode uh, that offers lessons, lesson plans uh, to teachers. So you, you're seeing things as, you know, maybe simple as, uh, you know, second or third grade math to something as complex as cellular biology. Stuart's calling from New Hartford. Stuart, you're on the show. Yeah, hi. I've been a big fan of yours, Lucy. I've been listening for quite a while, every 9 o'clock. Anyway, um, <laughs> <Thanks>. I've started <laughs> a <laughs> – I've started in uh, – I'm a – I call myself kind of an internet artist because I've started an online global arts village called Persona Land. And uh, we've been uh, showing artists. We've shown over 200 artists from um, nearly uh, 30, 34 countries in our art shows. But we've also started these uh, art games, which are now being used by a number of um, teachers for online learning with their students that are homebound. Nice. And for We've our listeners, called... oh, Stuart, for our listeners mm -hmm. who want to learn more about your uh, online global art village and these games, how do they find you and and find out more information? Well, it's it's called personaland.com. Okay. There's no charges involved. Um, there's a game called Name the Artist, which which is kind of fun. You get a um, a a famous picture with one only one image of it. And one ninth of of the uh, picture, and then you get one clue about the artist, and then you, if you can't answer that one, you just ask for another clue, and you get graded by how many clues you need to to figure out who the artist is. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to have my kids look that up. Thank you, Stuart, for calling in, and and thanks for listening. Thank you, Lucy. Before we let you go, Elise uh, Favis, again, reporter for Launcher, the Washington Post video game section. Not everybody has a Nintendo or PlayStation console. Uh, quickly, uh, with people with computers, what are some games that you'd recommend they play during this pandemic? Sure. Um, I, I definitely recommend social games. So 
Overwatch uh, is a shooter um, that, that I think has a, a generally a, a, a low barrier to entry. Um, and that, that's a great one. It's team-based, so uh, you can play with friends, hop on easily on that. Um, I, uh, I actually recommend Legends of Runeterra. It's a, it's a digital card game that came out yesterday. Um, and that's also a fun one. There's no in-game chat there, but you can hop on, you know, Discord or FaceTime uh, and play with a friend that way. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Warfare they, had their, uh, they had their release of Warzone, um, which is a particular mode for uh, Battle Royale. And that basically means you are playing against uh, a ton of other people uh, in this space, in this, this space that is slowly shrinking. Uh, and you are trying to be the last man standing. Um, and since March, they've had uh, over 50 million players taking part. Um, so that's a quite an incredible game. To well, Animal Crossing New Horizons sounds more like my style, Elise. <laughs> Thank you, though, for that recommendation. Again, she's a reporter for Launcher, the Washington Post video game section. We'll make sure we tweet out some links to, to your stories and the recommendations uh, that you gave us. Thanks, Elise, for joining Where We Live. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up, maybe board games and Nintendo aren't your thing. NPR TV critic Eric Deggins has his recommendations on what to watch right after the break. You can join us too, 888-720-9677. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up Monday, Stanford, Connecticut has the largest number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in the state. On the next Where We Live, we'll talk to the Stanford Mayor David Martin. Also, we'll hear from Secretary of the State Denise Merrill, who wants Connecticut lawmakers to allow more residents to vote by mail. You can join us. That's Monday. Now, today, what are you watching these days? Binge watching may not be so easy when the whole family is stuck at home and there's work and school assignments to do. But a little decompression time is not a bad thing. To help you figure out what to watch these days, joining us on Zoom, Eric Deggins, television critic for NPR. Eric, welcome back to our show. Thanks for having me. So last time we spoke, it was a few months ago, we were talking about uh, Disney Plus and Apple Streaming Plus and wondering if people were going to be signing on. I, I hate to say it, but is the pandemic the best thing to happen to these streaming services? <laughs> Uh, in a way, in a way, uh, Netflix, uh, is definitely the big winner here. They, um, they don't have commercials, so they don't have to worry about the fact that advertisers are spending less money on commercials. Um, they have this huge library that people now have a lot of time to explore. And, um, uh, they've seen their subscriptions go up. Uh, by 16 million subscribers in the first quarter of this year, mm -hmm. and and they and they claim that they have that they work far enough in advance that they've already filmed a, a lot of the new shows that are going to roll out this year, and they can assemble them uh, remotely. Even though people are working from home, they can edit them and do the post production work that they need to do from people's homes. So they don't expect to have any of their major releases, for example, delayed, like uh, the fourth season of The Crown, which is scheduled to uh, debut this fall. So so Netflix came out, um, I think, on top. Some of these other services, there's one called Quibi, for example, that is based on 10-minute uh, increments, right? You know, every, every episode or every show is only 10 minutes long or less. 
And that the idea there was that, you know, people are on the go, they're commuting, they're waiting in line, they're, um, you know, at the dentist or something, and you can pull up Quibi and you can watch something short. Well, everybody's stuck at home now. <laughs> Nobody's online anywhere. Uh, people aren't going into work. And, and so that service debuted in early April. And, you know, people kind of shrugged because uh, they don't really have a need for that kind of entertainment mm -hmm. right now. So, you know, depending on what kind of streaming service it is, uh, they, they've done well or they've done not so well. We heard from a listener, Dan, on Twitter. Uh, he writes, beyond rewatching all the Star Wars and Marvel movies on <laughs> Disney+, Plus, my teens love watching Connecticut's own Charlie D'Amelio on TikTok and working on dance moves. 52 million followers, all from her home in Norwalk. <laughs> so it sounds like Disney Plus is popular at his home, Eric. Yeah, Disney Plus, well, again, you know, this is a streaming service that had a huge library, and it's uh, a lot of it is family-friendly content. So when school is out, uh, school's not meeting, and you've got kids at home and you've got to um, amuse them, you know, Disney Plus is, is a great alternative. But I also like this idea, um, you know, your 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 color is or your uh, your your color is a man after my own heart. Uh, you know, watching all the 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 Marvel stuff and the Disney stuff, but also watching something like TikTok. And and so what we've seen is on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram Live. You know, some of these social media services. We've seen performers go on there and do special things that you can't see anywhere else. So uh, Babyface. And, um, and 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 uh, and another um, a well-known producer sort of had a, a battle where they each played uh, you know hit songs that they were known for. Uh, Teddy Riley is the other producer, and they they had hits. They they had a battle where they played hit songs um, and, and tried to top each other. Oh well, I did this song that was more popular. No, I did this song that was more popular, and everybody watched it on on Instagram Live. And we've seen um, you know great DJs like D Nice or Questlove do these long DJ sets on uh, YouTube or on Instagram Live, and people have been checking those things out. So it's been interesting to mm -hmm. see how performers have used the fact that they're sequestered uh, to come up with new ways of speaking to their fans and presenting new products to people. Speaking of new ways, uh, what was your take on Saturday Night Live, again, producing new content from home, uh, not live, but what was your assessment? Was it was it strange to see it, it pieced together like that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in one way it was strange, but in another way, it, it's sort of the whole um, mission of the show, that whole let's put on a show and let's, you know, take this very sort of specific uh, situation that we're in that has a lot of limitations. You know, normally it's the fact that it's live, uh, but now it's the fact that everybody is in their homes and they have to figure out a way uh, to create new environments. And and I think uh, you know they've done they've done two of them, and the first one was uh, wonderful just because they tried it. And you know some of the stuff wasn't necessarily the the funniest things I've ever seen, but the fact that they were that they were experimenting, that they were trying, and that they wanted to present something to people. Uh, was really great. And of course, seeing Tom Hanks, you know, after he had his coronavirus diagnosis, seeing him healthy and joking and in his home uh, was was a great boost. The second time they did it, you could tell that they had figured out uh, how to how to do things a little better. The backgrounds that they figured out, um, you know, were, were better. Some of the uh, sketches, I think, were funnier. Um, they had Brad Pitt, you know, playing Anthony Fauci, which was a, a stroke <laughs> of genius. Uh, he was he was really great. And, uh, and and so you got the sense that they're figuring out how to do a Saturday Night Live under these new circumstances. And it's a creative act. 
you know, watching a creative act in motion like that is, is a really powerful thing. And I, and I think it's something that people are, are really hungry for at a time when there's so much bad news and, there, and there's so many depressing things going on. It's great to see great artists trying to pull something off and, and mostly pulling it off. Mm-hmm. You're hearing Eric Deggins on Zoom today here on Where We Live, television critic for NPR. Uh, we definitely want to hear some of your recommendations of what to watch. But first, we wanted to ask you about Never Have I Ever with Mindy Kaling as executive producer. Uh, this is a, the context is a, includes a girl named Debbie. She's a 15-year-old Indian-American girl. Uh, her and her friends are nerds, and they decide this is <laughs> going to be the school year that they're going to be cool. Let's play a little clip. Which brings me to my plan. This year, we're rebranding. We are glamorous women of color who deserve a sexy high school life. <laughs> so have you been watching this, Eric? <laughs> I have been, and uh, I, I really I really like it. You know, uh, Netflix has, um, has uh, teed up a lot of series that are sort of coming-of-age stories, but they've done it in a sort of a, uh, a, with a, a look at the modern teen. And, and so we've gotten a look at a lot of different kinds of teenage kids coming of age. And, and this story is different because uh, the lead character is Indian American. Her mother is uh, much more traditional. Um, and, and in fact, I think they have a cousin who um, the mother is pressuring to get into an arranged marriage. Uh, but this 15 year old wants to also live in the modern world and live in uh, the, uh, the American world. And so she's a child of, of two different cultures and she's navigating that. Also, her, her father uh, died mm-hmm. um, uh, not long ago and she's seeing a therapist for that. And so a lot of things that kids are going through, but also things that are very culturally specific. So this story feels unique even though it's touching on a lot of things that a lot of kids go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I noticed, and, and I, I mention this every time I talk about this show, is that I think Netflix also tries to distinguish its coming-of-age stories by uh, making them very sexual. Um, so, so you know, one of the things that this character is doing is she wants to lose her virginity. Um, now, I don't know uh, how some parents will feel about watching a show like that with their kids, uh, but this is something that we've seen Netflix do mm-hmm. in shows like Atypical or The End of the Effing World or, um, you know, uh, 13 Reasons Why. These are all shows that are focused on teens that are kind of coming of age in different ways. But they also have some very mature material mm-hmm. in there about sex and about, um, you know, uh, hanging out and partying and things like that. And so, you know, some parents might want to be careful and watch the show a little mm-hmm. bit and see if their kid is um, is ready to see something like that or if they're ready for their kid mm-hmm. to see something like that. But uh, I really love the show and I really enjoy watching mm-hmm. it and, and I've been uh, recommending it to anybody who will listen. So that's Netflix's Never Have I Ever. We've got about three minutes left, Eric. So tell us a couple more of your recommendations. Wow, a couple more. Okay, so Better Call Saul was really great this year. This is a spinoff from Breaking Bad where we see Walter White's attorney sort of become uh, the the shyster to uh, the drug dealers that he becomes in, in Breaking Bad. It's become a show that's, uh, I think, almost better than Breaking Bad. Uh, the fifth season just wrapped up, so you can go back and you can watch all the episodes from the fifth season. It's really great. Uh, the Last Dance, ESPN, has this wonderful documentary on Michael Jordan's last championship season with the Chicago Bulls. It's very detailed. 
Uh, it's it's something for the sports fan who wants to see sports and there's no sports on TV. But it's also great for people who don't know sports that much or don't even care about sports that much because it's very much about the 90s and it's very much about where we all were uh, culturally then. So that's definitely worth checking out. I know a lot of people have criticized Tiger King, but man, I really enjoy <laughs> watching it. And uh, um, What about Ozark? And, uh, Ozark, I love it. Ozark, Ozark on Netflix. Why? Well, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to spread stuff around. Yes, I don't want to yes. just talk about Netflix. Uh, but yeah, Ozark, uh, Ozark's last season was really great. And I also want to talk about Parks and Recreation. You know, yes. that comedy uh, did a reboot episode last night that was based on you know um, all, all you know everybody all the performers were in their sequestered in their homes and they used video chat and different devices to kind of piece together an episode which was very touching and well done. But the series itself is about the lead character, Leslie Nope, uh, this woman who works in, in, in a public works department in a small town in Indiana. She believes in the power of government to help people and to bring people together in a positive way. And I think that's a message that we kind of need to see right now. And, and so not only is Parson Rec just a really funny series that people should binge anyway, but the message of the show is something that I think we need to hear right now. And, and I think people would enjoy checking it out. So uh, that's another one of my recommendations. Watch the special that just aired. You can probably see it on NBC.com and then uh, uh, binge watch the old episodes. Well, thank you so much, Eric Deggins. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Television critic for NPR. I now know what I can try to watch on the next rainy day. We appreciate your time. Have a great weekend, Eric. All right. Thank you. Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff, Tess Terrible on the phones. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. You can learn more about where we live. Just download the show on your favorite broad- podcast app. I'm Lucy Nopithanchel. Thanks for listening.